I believe it was 2018, when I was still working at one of the major hospital system, we decided to do something called spinal anesthesia. But what's the difference? Well, spinal anesthesia actually, and that's the reason why I liked it, is because of the fact that you actually don't have to actually put the baby to sleep. And parents really like this because it eliminates airway issues. So for sure, in my patients anyways, the ones that are preterm or even if they're term, but they were in the NICU and I kind of don't feel comfortable with the lungs, like I said, you know, um, then we give them the option of spinal anesthesia. And in my experience, once parents actually read about spinal anesthesia, uh, pretty much, I think I have, I've had one patient, one mom wanted general anesthesia. Everybody else is always the other way around. Let the price list take it to the moon. Price list one day will be soon. What is price list? Everybody, welcome to another episode of D Talk with Dr. Fam. So today I'm going to talk about the different types of anesthesia. That seems to be a uh, very important topic that a lot of parents have asked me to kind of explain to them. And so generally, you know, when children get put to sleep, there's a couple ways of doing it. One is what we call a laryngeal mask anesthesia. So just think of it like almost like a mask, but it's seated in the mouth. And that's for procedures that are not very stimulating because you can't really give them muscle relaxants. Um, and full disclosure, I'm not a anesthesiologist. So this is just what I know of it. Okay. And so the second way of uh, putting them to sleep is with a tube that actually goes down the trachea. And, you know, the deeper you go, obviously, the more, the higher the risk, right? And so in my experience, parents, they don't really get nervous about surgery itself. What they're nervous about is anesthesia. I want to clear up a, a few myths. So... When is the right time to put a child to sleep? And so typically I operate when they're around three months, but then, you know, the parents would be, would call back like, Hey, Dr. Pham, you know, our pediatrician said we should wait a year. We should wait six months and all that. So I've actually asked the uh, chief of anesthesia, pediatric anesthesia at one of the hospital system, like where, where is this six month? Cause when I was training in fellowship, we put the children to sleep at six months. So I actually asked her, like, is there data that shows six months is when you operate or, or you know, why, why six months? And interestingly, it actually doesn't have anything to do with anesthesia because in a term baby, and what is term? Term means that the baby was delivered at 37 weeks or above. And basically, at three months, your risk of anesthesia, from my understanding, at three months, six months, nine months, 10 months, 12 months, makes really no difference. The only difference it will make is if you're in a training program, then if the child is bigger, then, you know, they can, you know, residents can put IVs and stuff in much easier because, you know, you're you're bigger baby, right? And so... That's one of the misconceptions that I have noticed is the time, uh, the timing of surgery. Okay. So 
if you're a term baby, meaning that you're born at, thir- you know, or if your son or daughter is born at 37 weeks or above, then that's considered term. Now, if your son or daughter is born below 37 weeks, then that's considered a preterm baby. And so the issue is, when do you take them back for surgery if they are preterm? Okay. And so there's really a wide range from 55 to 60 weeks from date of conception. And what does that mean? Well, let's just do 60 weeks, for instance. Well, if your child was born at 36 weeks, take 60 weeks minus 36 weeks, then whatever number that is, that's the amount of days that you would need to wait for the child to have surgery. And why is that? That's because the lungs will be mature at that time so that you can go home the same day and you don't need to be admitted to be observed for apnea or anything like that. And like I said, the range is wide. So you may see some institution, say, 50 weeks from date of conception. Some institution may say 55 weeks from date of conception. Uh, Rarely do I see institutions that say 60 weeks from date of conception. Typically, I, I hear 55 weeks from date of conception is what uh, pediatric anesthesiologists seem to like. Now, you, you can't put patients in boxes, right? And so you may have a 34-week-old 34 uh, 34 who did fine, was in the NICU for like a day, and then goes home, and you know, then you wait till 55 weeks from date of conception to do the surgery so that they can go home. Well, then that baby's probably at low risk of having any airway issues uh, at home versus if you have a baby that was born at 36 weeks and five days so that's only two days and then he would be considered term but he's in a NICU for a month they had to intubate him for three days you know and this and that well then those babies I probably would wait until they're 60 weeks from date of conception so there's just no perfect uh, algorithm that you can put these patients in so that you can just know, okay, this, this. You have to kind of look at their overall uh, history. Well, because of that, back in 20, I believe it was 2018, when I was still working at one of the major hospital system, we decided to do something called spinal anesthesia. And... From my understanding is uh, the hospital where I go operate at is the only one that currently offers spinal anesthesia for penile surgery. uh, And his cutoff right now is 12 months. But what's the difference? Well, spinal anesthesia actually, and that's the reason why I liked it, is because of the fact that you actually don't have to actually put the baby to sleep. And it's similar to an epidural. The difference is, you know, this is kind of the baby's bottom right here. And then you have the spine and then kind of have the brain up here. I don't know what it is. Everything I draw seems to look like penis and a scrotum. Is that? Anyways, so this is supposed to represent the baby's bottom and his brain. This is not a split penis and a scrotum. And then this is the spinal cord. And so... Basically, everyone knows what an epidural is, and what that does is, let me just change the color. 
is you block them a little bit higher, the anesthesiologist will. But by doing that, the patient's awake and then there's a wire or a tube connected to it where they can continuously infuse medication to to kind of block the pain so that, you know, they can do the C-section um, or whatever it is they need to do. Um, and sometimes they, they don't leave a tube. They just do a one-shot injection. Uh, but keep in mind that when you do spinal anesthesia uh, or an epidural, the risk is also higher because the higher you go, the higher the risk of, you know, permanent paralysis and all that. Now, personally, I've never seen anything like that, but spinal anesthesia is similar in a sense that you do the same thing except kind of where the pelvic brim is, which is where the top of the bone is, kind of right here, kind of mark right here. And then what we do is the anesthesiologist will give the baby some numbing cream right here so that and then they're going to give him some something called presidex which will help kind of really relax the baby so that they're uh, they're actually as, they're actually asleep but they're not asleep and then in the operating room what he does is he'll inject one shot of medication in here and what that does is it'll block kind of kind of around where the suprapubic area is all the way down through the penis and the legs. And so the only thing you worry about this is, you know, can you have leg paralysis and, and all that? Uh, the answer is theoretically yes. We've done over five or 600 of these, and I have personally never seen uh, anything like that. And parents really like this because it eliminates airway issues. So for sure, in my patients anyways, the ones that are preterm or even if they're term, but they were in the NICU and I kind of don't feel comfortable with the lungs, like I said, you know, um, then we give them the option of spinal anesthesia. And in my experience, once parents actually read about spinal anesthesia, uh, pretty much I think I have, I've had one patient, one mom wanted general anesthesia. Everybody else is always the other way around is they want the spinal anesthesia, but they're not a candidate for it. So if you go on uh, crescenturologyinstitute.com, hopefully sometime this week, they will actually upload a video of an actual patient. No faces are shown, obviously, and parents sign consent that we, we can show it. That actually shows how the spinal anesthesia is done. And it is it will really amaze you. It. it I mean, I've seen, I see it every day and it just still amazes me every day how we're able to do it. Um, but basically, once the medication's injected, then you have 120 minutes, but we usually just tell them 90 to 120 minutes to complete the surgery. Now, if it goes a little bit longer, 120 minutes, this is kind of average time. You know, they can give like some ketamine, uh, to kind of calm the baby down, or if I'm closing the skin already, sometimes we'll give them Pedialyte or uh, some apple juice with the you know with the pacifier because babies are hungry, right? But it's really neat because when they uh, and when you watch the video on uh, you know www.crescenturologyinstitute.com, 
because um, I, for my knowledge, I'm the only surgeon in town that's actually even doing this, just because I think it's much safer than uh, than uh, general anesthesia, because you eliminate airway risk. And as far as complications from the spinal anesthesia, over hundreds of cases, we've seen maybe two. And, and this is from the anesthesiologist, we don't even know if that's really true, is the baby kind of gets a little upset if you're not holding him, uh, but that goes away. And that happened, I think, in a couple of patients. It lasted, I don't know, 12 hours. So it wasn't like anything that required uh, intervention, like a bl blood patch or anything like that. But once they numb him up, then what we do is we actually swaddle the baby. And now this is the most painful part is... I only get a very limited selection of music and you know, you know me, I'm like gangster to, you know, H-Town, what do you expect? <laughs> Just kidding. But no, but in all seriousness, I only get a limited selection of music and that's either piano music, white noise, or the wheels on the bus goes round and round. And I promise you, if the wheels on the bus goes round and round one more time, somebody's head's going to go round and round. So we've been playing Canon D, uh, which is the most bearable white uh, white music, uh, or white noise. Oh my goodness, I just feel like stabbing the anesthesiologist, even though he and I are like really good friends. And so, so that's kind of it's painful. Uh, spinal anesthesia is not painful for the patient. It's not painful for the parents. It is very painful for the surgeon. Now, how does anesthesia? not get bothered by this, I have no idea. But every time I'm looking over, he's looking at a Ferrari that he wants to buy or a Lamborghini. So I guess if I had the luxury of like flipping through, like, damn, I want to get me this. I probably wouldn't even notice the noise myself. So I went in the wrong field. But anyway, so Bottom line is, if you want to know more about spinal anesthesia, uh, the hospital I operate at is the only one that actually offers it because you have to have an anesthesiologist who actually knows how to do it. And then I also prefer spinal anesthesia because then it doesn't mess around with the airways. And then now you guys understand the three, six, nine months in term babies, it makes no difference. If you're three months, you're good to go. Uh, and three months is an easy time for them to put the... Uh, you know, the spinal anesthesia ends, easy for me to dissect. Everything is just much e easier. Babies uh, don't have as much pain um, and parents just love it so much better because their baby is just not asleep. So we know that because sometimes, and this is a real world example, sometimes you may listen to the lungs and it sounds clear Parents forgot that patient was sick maybe a couple weeks ago. And so sometimes, depending on the infection, we wait four to six weeks. Parents forgot about it, didn't tell the anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist listened to the lungs. Everything sounds great. Next thing you know, you get bronchospasm, you get aspiration, and that just will freak any patient out. I'm sorry, any parents out versus with spinal anesthesia is as if nothing happens. And I'll leave you with this because I always love this. And bravo, if you're listening, pick us up because trust me on this. I love the reveal 
you know, you know how they have those house shows that, you know, once they finish building it, then they bring the people in and then, you know, they, they make these fake gestures like, Oh my God. Oh my God. When I'm like, really, you know, you saw that house already. Give me a break, you know, but we got some good actors out there. You know, they're like, Oh my God, look at that hat. Look at that door. You know, you bought that door at Home Depot yesterday. Give me a break. What you can't fake though, and honest to God, uh, Bravo, if you're listening, you need to pick me up because I'll tell you what, when I walk in that room and that kid came in with a penis that looks like a belly button and the dad's all in the corner before surgery because he, I don't know, maybe mom felt, made him felt ashamed where he's just sitting in the corner. I'm like, okay, mom and dad, do you guys have any questions for me about the surgery? Mom's like, no, we feel comfortable, Dr. Fam. And, I, and then I'll go, dad, do you have any questions? No, no okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, it's not even flu season. Why, why, why are you looking like you have the flu? And then, you know, and then they choose the spinal anesthesia or whatnot. And, and this is a true story. And so dad's just sitting there like real ashamed. I don't know what they read or whatnot. Then of course, you know, I fix, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't get called a Texas eggplant for any reason. Right. So you come in with a belly button, you come out with an AK-47, the baby's covered. And so then mom and dad are waiting at the crib and I go talk to them like, hey, mom, dad, surgery went well, everything went well. Let me just take a look to make sure that everything is perfect. And then I kind of lift up the blanket a little bit. But before I even lift it up, dad's like, wait a minute, why does it look like this a tent? And I'm like, what are you talking about, dad? He's like, right there in the middle. I was like, oh, that's his penis. His dad, dad looks at mom and go, that's his what? Then I would reveal. And then this is an actual patient. The dad literally goes, I told you so. I told you it wasn't me. I told you it wasn't me. Thank you, Dr. Fam. Thank you, Dr. Fam. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? I'm just, I'm just making sure there's any bleeding before I can go home. I gotta get out of here. This, this, you know, and then, yeah, and I, and anyways, Bravo, if you're listening, if you, if you like reveal shows that have revealed, oh my gosh, just watch it when you reveal, when I unwrap the dressing and I mean, I'm sorry, not the dressing, when I kind of lift up the gown so they can, I can make sure there's no bleeding. Literally the mom, the moms, literally their face would be like, and I even had one mom that spoke Chinese to the dad after they saw what was on the sun. And then when I'm like, and the mom's all giggling and I'm like, what, what's going on? Cause I'm, I'm Vietnamese, I don't speak Chinese. I'm like, what's going on? So it turns out the mom literally told the dad, hey, remember we read that buried penis runs in the family? I think you have that. And the dad, and so <laughs> it's when I found that out, I was like, I died. I felt so bad for that dad. So I was like, okay, I'm out. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the video. Subscribe, like, and if you want to continue to see uh, me do this, uh, then, you know, subscribe, like. We're on all major platform podcasts and all, all sorts of, uh, you know, YouTube and all of that. And so, but, um, but that's pretty much it. All right. This is Dr. Fam signing off, otherwise known as the Texas eggplant. Mm.